What's going on, everybody? Welcome in. Welcome to the start of the week. It's Tuesday. Wade Zanketa, Connor O'Neill here with the Tuesday episode of All Canadian Playoff Football All Around. We had U Sports playoffs over the weekend, CFL playoffs kicking off, and uh, some college football playoff implications as well. The number five Michigan Wolverines may or may not have topped the number two Ohio State Buckeyes for the first time in 10 years, or or if you want the exact date count, I've got it. It's three three thousand six hundred and fifty four days since the Michigan Wolverines last beat the Ohio State Buckeyes. But Aiden Hutchinson got it done. What did I tell you last week? Aiden uh, Hutchinson is the best player in the country. I will hear no other argument. Trust Jimothy Harbaugh and the Kahakis. I don't know if I trust Jim Harbaugh. I mean, like I will now back off of Jim Harbaugh a little bit. I don't know if I trust him anymore after that. I said, I did say, I did say, if Jim Harbaugh beats Ohio State, I'll give him another year. So I'll give him another year. I'll give him his year. He deserves that. Beat Ohio State finally. Okay, what happens if you make it to the national championship? Aiden Hutchinson is the best player in the country. Aiden Hutchinson yeah, so- wins. If they make it to the national championship, Aiden Hutchinson wins Eisman. Yeah, I send you that. Joel Klatt tweeted that out, and I was like, oh, my. What, how unreal would that be to have the second-ever defensive player to win the Heisman ever come from the same school as the first defensive player ever? It's like, not going to happen, wild. but that would be amazing. Well, you don't, you never know, right? Like, Bryce Young played, like, garbage until the last quarter, and then it was like, oh, John Mechie, oh, can you bail me out, please? <laughs> Show me, but like, show me a defensive lineman. And yes, he did. John Mechie did bail him out. Auburn should have won that football game if the running back stayed in bounds. Just stay in bounds. I know, I know you're getting like, you're getting hit and you're getting taken down, but stay in bounds. But show me a defensive lineman anywhere in college football right now that forces five false starts over the course of a game because you have an entire offensive line so shook to try to defend you. Because you already have three sacks in the game. He had 15 total QB pressures in one game. Ohio State was shook. <laughs> they didn't know what to do. Like 15 total pressures is absurd from one defensive lineman. And then you had Larry Ajabo on the other end who still applies pressure as well. It's not like it's just Aiden Hutchinson fighting for his life. Shook. Uh, shook. But. Hail to the victors. Go blue. Hail to go the blue, victors. go blue, go blue. Uh, let's, in the best. let's get to U Sports because we've got uh, – hold on. Just before we're done here – no, I'm not done on this Aiden Hutchinson thing. <laughs> I want to check how many actual, like, offensive plays. 53 times they drop back to throw the ball. And Aiden Hutchinson on 15 of those plays – was like, yeah, I'm right here, buddy. Have fun, CJ Stroud. But no, uh, okay, now we can finally move on. Best player in the country. It's like 25% of CJ Stroud's dropbacks. He was getting pressured on. Speaking of great pressure, let's go to the Mitchell Bowl. The Western Mustangs taking on the St. FX X-Men, hosting them at TD Waterhouse. Deontay Knight was all over the backfield. All over the backfield, he had a sack and a TFL on the day, but uh, his presence was felt as he made his way into the backfield on, I don't know, what seemed like every single play. You saw seven somewhere in the backfield. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I 
this game was over in three plays. I texted you and I texted Marshall in our group chat. And it was pretty simple. I saw three straight plays from Keon Edwards where he was at nine, 10, or 12 yards in a row, three straight carries. I turned around, I texted them, Western by 50. I was five points off. It was Western by 55. But let's talk about not only this defense for Western, because, I mean, three interceptions, they held Malcolm Bussey to 60 yards. Uh, They, like, I don't know how many times that, X even got over midfield because it felt like the entirety of that first half until they hit their field goal (laughs) that it was literally Western suffocating them in their own end. Yeah. There was a a, a 400 yard disparity in total offense in this game. Western up over 600 yards on the day. X just barely breaking the 200 yard mark. And I mean, they just had no, no time to do anything, no time to move, no time to breathe. I mean, Every time you saw Fagnan drop back, he had at least a hand or two in his face or a body on him. Like he was running for his life back there. Western just not making it easy on him, especially the Western back end. I mean, for for Rory Kelly and that that back end unit for the Western Mustangs must feel feel good for Kelly to, you know, shut down an old conference foe. But Fagnan had just really no time to do anything, no time to throw. And I mean, same goes for Bussy too. Like the holes just weren't there. And, you know, we, we were talking with Ray about the type of runner he is. Yes, he, he can hit those holes hard, but he's also a little bit patient. And he reads the, reads the offensive scheming really well. But when there's no, when there's nothing to read, when the, when the pages are blank or when the pages are purple in this one, I guess I should say it, it's really hard to find a hole. And like, for me, I want to, I want to stick on this for, for a little while. Because there's so much to unpack in this game that was so lopsided and so over. Like we um, haven't even talked about the Western, the Western running backs yet. No, no, I, we'll get there. We will get there. When the game started, like Garrity missed a field goal for Western. X all of a sudden has the ball, and instead of trying to ride the bus and like you know establish something and maybe give Silas Fagnon a little like break, they just tried to open it up right away and it almost got picked off first play of the game i was like oh sure yeah like you have one of the top rushing attacks in the country as well but let's let's not give your quarterback who is i although he's been on the roster through the covid season he's a freshman and let's not give him any help in a national semifinal going against a defense that is going to suffocate you so what they ended up doing they ended up just conceding and taking a safety and then I was like okay this game is probably over uh just just off that and then the defense for X just bullied all game long talk to me about the running packs because we got to move there at some point (laughs) yeah yeah, I guess we should uh we should get into it you said bullied I don't know if there's a better word for it especially when you know Keon Edwards and Trey Humes only carry the ball 16 times um, and they still put up 195 100. yards and four touchdowns. And then, and then you go to their backup running back in Edward Winati, 26 carries, 238 yards and three touchdowns. Western is a running back factory. I just, I don't know what else to say. When you're pumping out these kinds of numbers, when you're making a defense that was pretty damn good in their own right, in their own conference all year long, when you're making that defense 
look childish. I mean, we said that somebody was going to go off in the past game for Western this week. Um, you know, it, it was not just, Brett Ellerman. It wasn't was Brett not. Ellerman. Wasn't Justin was Nixon. Wasn't even Savon Magne Jones. I mean, Griffin Campbell had 92 yards and a touchdown. <laughs> Everybody for Western was just going off. And I mean, we knew that Western was good and we, we knew that they were going to do something of this nature. I, I really, I thought this was one of the better years for the AUS teams coming out of the AUS. I didn't think it was going to be a 61 to six game. Like I thought, I thought X was going to be able you to said like score. 40 to nothing. <laughs> oh, well, it was not like 66. I was expecting X to at least score once or twice. Yeah. No, for to me, like, yeah, Griffin Campbell had the 92 yards. They only threw the ball, like, even with Jackson White, they only threw the ball 12 times. They completed nine of them. And they were up around 150-ish yards. All you needed but, to do. Yeah, that's all you had to do. Like, you didn't need to throw the ball when you have your third string running back gaining nine yards of carry, your two leading backs, both at 11 and 13 yards of carry. Like, why would you throw the ball? But to me, like... uh People are like, oh, Western's just running up the score. This is always what Western does. I'm sorry. They had their third string running back in. They weren't throwing the ball. They had their third string running back in. They were just handing it off to him. And he's just going for 238. You can't, like, you can try as hard as you want to just, like, not score. But if you're gaining nine yards of carry, you get to the other end zone pretty damn fast, right? I mean, when you're when you're rushing for basically a first down every time you touch the ball, only takes what 10, 11 of those, depending on your field position. That's if you have to drive the entire field, I which mean, they didn't yeah. most of the game. No, that's the thing too. Like they're starting they at like the forty-five, the, the thirty-five. Yeah, exactly. I mean, so then you shrink the field by that much. It takes what seven carries to get to the end zone. Yeah, like it's I, I felt bad, but at the same time I'm like Western's not trying to run up the score, they're just running the ball. Like they are trying to kill clock and get out of here. Yeah, no, uh, I agree. And like for, for everybody that's I mean, you saw it, I saw it. I I think most people saw it on Twitter. There was there was a ton of flack thrown. I, I'm at the playoffs, I guess, as a whole. Most of it was centered around this game because it was such a lopsided game. But, like, right now, the way that the, the playoff structure is set up in Canada, in U Sports football, it is the top four teams from the four conferences that we have. It is the winner of the conference moves on. The AUS has to be represented. What do you want to do? Just leave them out? Yeah, I get that these lopsided games aren't really fun to watch and that there's this kind of unwritten bias around the AUS that whoever draws the AUS basically gets a buy to the Vanier Cup but this is why there's that bias because it's 61 to 6 like this was a no contest after the first quarter no no but I'm just saying like everybody that's like that's I agree like they yes the games like this are, are what create the bias but like in a format where all four conferences have to be represented that's just the reality of what's going to happen and like for fans that are calling for, um, you know, a change, what change do you want? What change do you want to see? Do you want to just erase the conferences and go conferenceless football across Canada? Because that right, right now, that's not financially realistic for schools to be flying. It's not financially realistic for, say, you know, a York to be flying to UBC or a 
bishops, a small school bishops with like 2000 students or Mount A with like 2000 students uh, to be flying to Sask to go play, you know, a Friday night game. Like it's just, it's not financially realistic right now. So until we figure out a way to maybe expand the playoffs, it's going to be these 66 to six games or 61 to six games. I think we need to, to do something here and people are going to get mad because people hate the goddamn top 10, but include the top 10. Let's go to a six-team national semifinal. And you have to have your conference representation in there, like much like the college football playoff. Like A conference title really does make a difference in the voting for a selection committee. And we have our own selection committee up here. We have our six. You keep your conference play. If you run the table in your conference, maybe they can start looking at booking like an, a couple games outside of conference where we can have big matchups like oh. Mac, Saskatchewan, or maybe we get Laval coming in to play Guelph or something like that. I don't know what teams would do that, but you get some interconference matchups if the teams want it. But you leave the conference schedule. You don't take it away from a team if they don't play one, um, like an, an out-of-conference. And you have six teams. If you have a conference winner, you're – you're in, okay? Conference winners are in, and then we get two teams that will be selected by the voters, the top 10 voters. They are the ones responsible for organizing one through six. You get four conference winners, the next two best teams, and it doesn't matter if you are the OUA winner. If you're ranked fifth, then you're traveling to someone else's game. I'll throw another, I guess, hypothetical scenario out for these playoffs to break down so let's say your four conference winners that's a lock right Mm -hmm. so we agree on that take the top two give them a bye take your next best two so you're you're essentially your five and six regardless of where they come and then they have to play so six would then play whoever your three seed is five plays whoever your four seed is oh okay yeah so your two your top two I'm saying that the best two teams of the four conference winners get a buy. So whatever that looks yeah. like, whatever. So let's say SAS goes eight and zero in their conference. Uh, Western goes seven and one. And then there's like a six and two and a six and two team in the RSQ, RSQ yeah. and, and the AUS. So the, but I don't so want, if you're the three and four seed, you don't have to be your conference winner. Yeah. Yeah. Or, no, like if you're the, the conference winners, six, the conference winners get a spot. But if we say that Laval, or say a Calgary or a McMaster, or maybe it is an AUS team, is better head-to-head than you, and we want to put them as the four seed, then we can do that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I agree with that. So all four conference winners are a lock no matter what. Yeah, and then one and two, two get two a buy, and then we can choose three, four, and then we'll put it, we'll slot in another five and six, regardless of what conference. So there could be Based on how it shakes out, I mean, there, there probably would be three OUA, teams. three OUA, three Cam West. Quebec. Yeah, we could get two and two from Quebec and Calgary. Like, I think that's, I, I think that's a little bit. I don't know. I mean, I'm biased because we just came up with this here just now on the spot. But I like that. I like that format. Six I don't teams have an is issue fair. With that. Six teams is fair because when you get to eight, then like you're looking at, you know, you're looking at the national semifinalists or the. You're looking at the conference losers as like the, the the next eight most likely. 
Whereas the six, like you've got, like, even if you have a magical playoff run, if someone got beat, say in the first, like the second round, then it's not going to kill them, right? Like if they just had a straight up better season than you, like if I, if I'm on a team and we slap a team twice in the regular season, you come back, beat us on like a Hail Mary to go to the conference final. We could still be selected because we've had that better season. It's not likely that we would be selected, but it's still possible. Yeah. No. If you go to uh, eight, I feel like you just do like, oh, whoever lost in the conference finals is going to be the next eight. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like eight is a little, just for the size of the size of the conferences across the country. Like I feel like eight's a little bit too expansive. I feel like six right now is a good number. I don't know. Maybe if we, we see this like Brock or Trent thing come to fruition one day, maybe we can go to an eight, eight team, eight team playoff format. But while we're, before we move on to the next game, because we are going to move off the Western St. FX game here, but before we move on to Sask Montreal, which was an absolute thriller, while we're on the subject of getting things off of our chest here, I do want to get one thing off of my chest. I thought I wanted to first clap it up and, and tip my cap to Bodog because I thought what they did, the, they were the kind of the very first to, admirable, very admirable. admirable. It, was, it was very, yes. it was, it was a good idea. I loved the, the passion and the enthusiasm. So Bodog, if you haven't seen it, Bodog put out Vanier cup lines, which is awesome. Like, that's great. Woo-hoo. incredible for Bodog. Like, I, yeah, fine. Sure. I've never really seen that before. We see college football lines come out all the time, but we never really see Canadian college lines come out. They came out with Vanier cup lines for, for futures, basically for who would win the Vanier cup, which is great. Love it. Promote Canadian university football. But and they did not the watch a single snap this year. They did not. The odds makers clearly didn't really know what was going on. Yeah, okay, let's hold on. Hold let's on. let's they run had, down the lines. They had Montreal at 250. They had Western and Sask both at 280. And then they had X at like what right behind them, right? Like it was yeah, they were all very like it like just, X was, it just wasn't. X was pretty much on par for odds with Saskatchewan and Western. Yeah, which was ridiculous. Like I we and, were texting about this, and I was saying, like, okay, here's the thing, here's my deal with this. I'm fine if you want to make, you know, 250 your your favorite, so to speak. So fine. Western's your automatic favorite. Yeah. No, sorry. Montreal would be your automatic favorite. Because they were the based number one on home number, field. Yeah. Exactly. And they were in the Vanny Cup in 2019. So make, make Montreal your favorite at plus 250. Don't then proceed to just stack everybody in there at like plus 280 plus whatever like no, no no there needs to be a little bit of parity here so then your next one needs to be western at like if we're calling if we're calling montreal the favorite at plus 250 then western needs to be like a plus 350 plus 400 range then you need to drop saskatchewan to that plus 500 to plus 650 range and then X needed to be, this is no disrespect at all. This is just the nature of, if you know the history of, if you've watched any cro- like crossover national championship football in the last three years. The Except AUS for 2019, just, because Montreal did not know what a quarterback was. Uh, that is our one outlier in this that's scenario. That's the oddity. But like, yeah. the AUS gets boxed. So St. Effects should have been at least, like at wait, least, wait, again, wait. no shade, at <laughs> least plus a thousand. We got to throw it out. Uh, my friend Bowen Asman, uh, St. FX grad tweeted at me about like 
halfway through the second quarter, death taxes and an AUS school getting bodied in the national semifinal. <laughs> like, it's true. It was a great tweet. But like, it's but yeah, true. It is so uh, then, true. Uh, we've got a Rash Madani as well, who saw these odds and said, being real and all, X should be plus 4,000. That's a guy from the East Coast just being like, yeah, you know what? This is this is messed up. Like you are off by significant margins here. Um commend the effort. No. Yes, great idea. Uh, but nice try. Poor, poor execution. <laughs> poor execution. Uh let's talk about the other game though. But first, uh, let's remind everyone that Soda City Brewing Company offers brewery fresh beer delivered directly to your door. Visit their website at sawdustcitybeer.com to shop their wide variety of brews and to learn more. This November, we've got, what, like one day left, two days left? CFP, you can use the code CFL to get free shipping on your first order over $100. Shipping is available to Ontario residents only, must be of legal drinking age. And don't forget to get geared up for game day with Fox 40 the worldwide leaders in whistle technology. I know the season's winding down, but Christmas is coming up. Get those stocking stuffers in, get those coaching boards, those whistles, tri-layer whistle masks, electronic whistles, whatever you need available at fox40shop.com. And while you're there, you can use the code CFP15 at checkout to get 15% off your order. Fox40, the worldwide leaders in whistle tech. Man, Montreal, Montreal Sask, we are going to talk about it because oh man, not high scoring by any measure, but dude, what a game. Like if you if you watch that game, if you just check the box score at the end of the game, you're like, really? But if you watch that game, you're like, holy, this is all November you have to football. See, when you check the box score, all you have to see is the bottom line here in the scoring summary. Fourth quarter, zero, zero point zero five. So five seconds, Saskatchewan. Adam Mackert, 13-yard run, 14-10, Saskatchewan. This is like... All you need to read. (laughs) Dude, it was was literally like the Paul Pierce, did you call bank? No, Adam Mackert called game. No, but here's the thing. Like, I asked, after the game, I asked Mason Nice. I'm like, what were you guys trying to do on that final play? Like, were you trying to set up a field goal? He's like, I don't know if if Adam was trying to just like get us in position for like, a, like a center field shot at tying, but they gave Here us a Mason light box. Nias, so now you tech bowl champion, yeah. kind of did what he does. Like Mason, you had one anyways, final drive to try and seal Mason the field. Nias, what was going through your mind coming on the field for that last possession? Still the thrill oh, of crazy. victory yeah, coming in. Same, we're going to get a shot. Our defense is playing great. Uh, when the huddle just told guys, this is the drive you're going to tell your kids about. Like, let's lock in and go score this touchdown. And we did. I'm just proud of the way we fought and uh, got it done. And the man of the hour, Sam Baker, with huge catches down the end. Lots of tough catches for him in the day. What do you have to say for him toughing it out through some injuries? Yeah, he's a baller. Um, we were watching film all week. They showed us a sting look. We had a different play called. And they, they got we got the look you want. We knew they were going to drop into cover three, rotate that half low. And uh, we checked out when Sam just slipped and made a great play and, a, and into contact. So just so proud of him and all the other guys, just the way they fought. fought, fought and the last play, Adam's touchdown. You guys had 11 seconds on the clock. He had other intentions, though, sending you guys with the win. Yeah, Macro's a bad man, obviously. He balled out today. Um, just, I can't say enough good things about him. They gave us a light box, probably expecting the pass or whatnot. 
Uh, I don't even know. Obviously, Matt Wright knew he was getting the end zone, but probably setting up to get a middle field field goal there. Um, but yeah, I'm just so happy the way it ended. Thank you. Obviously a great interview from, from Mason Nias there. Wade on the scene, braving the cold. Um, he was oh, on the show earlier last year. So, like, we keep saying this, but, like, just the turnaround from hearing that interview, hearing him being, you know, very honest about the season that he had in 2019 and how he wasn't quite happy with it to now be in position to potentially hoist the Vanier Cup is incredible. But I do want to go back to the Adam Mackert run where he iced the game because – it was a hell of a block from number 89. I believe it was Daniel Iverson. Perry on the block. No, Iverson. 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 Yeah, because, man, ha, like, there's no way. I mean, there probably is still a way, but Adam, Adam Macker would have maybe path, found a way. Yeah, <laughs> Adam Mackert's path to the end zone is a hell of a lot more difficult without that block. And, you know, he was like, he was the RPO, like, check bubble screen. So, like, you see them hand the ball off. He's running a little, like, half bubble. And then all of a sudden, he just decides to take off and go and take out the half that bailed into coverage. And it's like, oh, shit. Like, if he doesn't make that block, that half flies in and maybe cuts Adam at, like, the three. Instead, he's getting blocked two yards into the end zone. Adam Macker literally saw Iverson and was like, oh, a green shirt. Oh, 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 okay. And just took off towards it. Like, yeah. he led the way and without that. So, shout out, unsung hero alert, Everett Iverson. Uh, I do, I do want to shout out Scott Flory as well. I mean, like, obviously, he's the head coach and, you know, that's his play call. But shout out to Scott Flory for sticking with that play call. Because I thought they were throwing. I thought you, they were going to throw. Everybody did. Everybody, every football player every football feeling every instinctual thing about that situation says throw the ball because at worst but most at, at, yeah no sorry at worst it's picked off but like you're thinking okay i'm gonna throw here because it guarantees a shot at the end zone ball i know i'm not going to take yeah ball falls incomplete we still kick a field exactly goal. i'm not going to stress about that but instead Scott I mean, Flory. In canadian football it's kind of different for our american listeners like if the play is dead and the clock hits zero, you still get another play. Yeah. So they could have, they, that's why they did run the ball because they would have downed it if they did go down. Yep. They would have just downed it, waited for the clock to hit zeros, kicked the field goal. But instead, they, you know, automatically just decided to put on the Superman cape, toss it over his shoulders, and take off. Um, we, we were texting about it and like, the just the my hands were frozen when I was texting you about that, by the way. <laughs> no, 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 yesterday, yesterday, yesterday. Oh, yesterday. okay, yeah, after you, I had you thought, thought yeah, you had thought out, yeah. But we were texting about this, and we, we just said, like, the absolute, like, just stones on Scott Flory to just stick with the identity of the Saskatchewan Huskies and run the ball when every gut feeling in football, every instinctual feeling in football is telling you to throw it in that situation. He goes, nah. This is our identity. This is what we do. If we're going to win the game or lose the game, we're going to do it doing what we do. And, hey, it paid off. So, I mean, all game long, though, we take I, I, I said this to you. You said it to me is we love not only on the on that goal line play, but we loved 
the play calling from Sask all game long. You know, we talk about Mason Nice, we talk about Adam Mackert, but on this show, we love Colton Clawson. We yes, love we him. Do. Yes, we do. <laughs> and Sam Baker as well is a playmaker in his own right. A hell of one. That's why the Argos love that guy. But that final drive, Sam Baker got drilled. Like second drive in a row that he, for them, or third, maybe like second drive closely to the end of the game, that he got absolutely drilled. Still hung on to the ball. Ethan McConzo was just pushing him around at the point of attack. Uh, but that final drive was Colton Clawson, 17 yards. Sam Baker, 10 yards. Sam Baker, 16 yards. Oh, Adam Macker, 13-yard touchdown. It was quite the show for the Huskies. Um, and they took down a Montreal team. Like, I tweeted this out. Sepsum is the perfect representation of U Sports football. It is. It really is. And you could see it. You could see it on the broadcast. Like, that place was rocking you could hear the crowd noise and the thunder sticks and the stupid plastic horns on the could broadcast you, hear the, you could hear it could you hear them pumping in like sirens before yeah. they broke the huddle yeah the, the police sirens that? yeah oh on, on everything every the, second down or every big play for the defense yeah, yeah. so the rule in the youth sports for those wondering is you're allowed you're allowed to play whatever the hell you want on your speakers until the team breaks the huddle, until the offense breaks the huddle, and then it has to stop. So, what Saskat or so what Montreal does is they pump in sirens, loud, obnoxious sirens. You can't hear a thing. It is awful, but it is truly the best home field advantage. The, it is. You could you like I wasn't the even there. sunsets in behind there, it. Like it's so nice. Uh, I want to talk about the field conditions quickly because uh, not great eh? on. <laughs> no, it was awful. I got there and I was literally see the pictures like you should I was see literally like scraping off the sideline at midfield because turf was like the turf was so much built up that you couldn't see the line. Um plus there was like ice chunks in the field, like literal ice sheets. That's why okay. You sent me a play uh, and you told me to watch it closely, like because Seneca's yeah, rolling Nick, out and Nick you can Weeb. see him. Seneca's rolling out, Nick Weeb is chasing him. And all of a sudden, it looks like he just, like, starts to stumble and just keeps running towards the sideline when Seneca pulls back. Yeah. I Like, there was a sheet of ice there. So we went to start slowing down to get Seneca when he goes back. And he hit ice and was just like, oh, nope. I'm going to keep running. I'm not stopping here today. <laughs> uh, luckily, Pickett was right behind him for the sack. But, like, uh, what a game this was, right? Like, it was a hockey score for the first half of 4-1. And then, like, Sask went down 9-1. All of a sudden, it was just like, okay, the offense is starting to move it. They're starting to really impose their will. And that's what I thought it came down to was Montreal's running backs, Connor, are massive. Like They, they look are, massive on, on tape, man. Like They look like Derrick Henry uh, and Derrick Henry Jr. and Derrick Henry III. Okay? I, need to, like, I need to ask you because on the there was a nice angle of it on the – on the hit on Sam Baker at the end of the game, like there was kind of a lower yeah. camera angle. Is Ethan McConzo that big in person? Because on that camera angle, he looked menacing. Okay, he he's a good size. Sam Baker's huge, right? Like Sam Baker's a yeah. big receiver. Yeah, yeah. They um, both looked huge on that kind of like swoop down camera angle. I don't want to say he's like tall, 
but he's not no short, but he looked right? imposing like he looked he like is a he body. is physically imposing on the field like i i was thoroughly impressed with Ethan. i was impressed with a, lot, a couple guys Pickett and Cherry we'll talk about big too uh Pickett Pickett is massive yes uh cherry's big guy too but Pickett just like stands above everyone on the defense uh nick weeb is gigantic like he's a monster uh, you texted me and tweeted. You're like, both of Saskatchewan's offensive tackles are seven feet tall. I, I will take no other argument. Like, I'm sorry, but Nick Sumach walked by me after the game, and I was like, oh, oh shit, I'm not even at your shoulders. I'm like, I'm, I'm over six feet. Like, <laughs> you are up at seven. But no, uh, Zer looked fantastic as well. Like, they pin and pull with him. Uh, let's talk about the Montreal guys, though. I want to talk about this. McConzo is going to be in the CFL next year. He is going yes. to he is going to stick. He is he is a freak. Yes. Uh Hassan Doso, I tweeted this out, but in his routes, he's smooth. Like he ran a deep route uh towards the end of the game. They missed the field goal on the drive, but like he uh he ran an out and up from the wide one. And, like he did not have much room to the sidelines, but he's just so nice in his route that he like he still caught the corner to bite. <laughs> My favorite, like, so, like, oh, that's just that's just oh. dirty, man. My favorite thing watching Hassan Doso run routes is like, like you're talking about this kind of building off your point is his body control because when he's at, when he's in those breaks or when he's coming out of those breaks or sorry, I guess like in the lead up to the break, he's so shifty. He's so kind of like, he'll kind of bait you with his body language, his body movement, his shoulders. He does a really good job of kind of using his shoulders and his head to get you moving. And then once he gets you going where he wants you to go, he kind of, brings everything in is super compact gets his body back underneath him and then flies out of those breaks really quickly and you could see it on tape like he is just so smooth at the top of his route man yeah i mean he uh he finished with 182 yards in the game 10 10 grabs for it um just another day for hasando so it was it was a it was a show for him he uh he was he was tough to stop uh, but there, a lot of their passing offense was designed to get him into spacing and designed to get him open, get him the ball. I know Jared Taylor had that wild grab on the sidelines as well. But no, this uh, this game was unreal. I I was so excited for it. Uh, the crowd, though, like the crowd made it that much better. I think and the setting and like Sepsum at sunset, you get the mountain. The sunset's going down behind the stadium. And like the crowd is going nuts, and Montreal's playing great defense, and Seneca's moving the ball, but Mason Nias and Mackard are also moving the ball. Like on the other side, just nobody could find the end zone. Like they'd get into the red zone, and the defense would just be like, "Yeah, no thanks, we're we're done here." Man, I don't know. It's just I don't I don't know what what else to say about this game. I'm just like just everything that it was was just such a good national semifinal like in the past however many years like i don't know probably four four to five years like this is one of my this this will go down as one of my favorite national semifinal games like it just was a through and through yeah Yeah, it was it was a through and through november national semifinal in canadian university football like and like my my absolute favorite thing about this like we have we haven't talked too too much about montreal because we've been glowing over saskatchewan but yes i mean when you look back on it it's a 14 10 game and i don't know some of these fans are gonna be like well we want the passing and the scoring well guess what 
Jonathan Senecal still had 398 yards and he put the ball in the air 41 times. There's your passing. Mason Nias put the ball in the air 26 times. No, it wasn't. Yeah. Like, like it, it, it was, there was passing, there was offense. It was an electric game. It just, the weather and the, the caliber of defense that these two teams play just kind of dictated that it was going to be a low scoring kind of last minute to win it type game. Yeah, no. And like, uh, Senecal hit nine receivers, Mason Nye's hit seven different receivers. Like each team had four ball care. I know there's like quarterbacks counting in that too. Right. But, um, 20 carries for Mackert. Bolia had 13 carries like, and he's a really patient runner, by the way, Bolia, like he gets the ball and he's just scanning, scanning. Like I said, Derek Henry earlier, it is the same play style. Like he can come up to the line, scan, and be patient. All of a sudden, just like, oh, here we go. I'm going to run through you because I am twice your size. Um, but, no, I was very impressed with the uh, the Carabin, uh defense. I was very impressed with Senecal. Uh, I, I thought he was, like, I thought he made the difference for them. Like, without him, they are, I don't think they have this season. Um, but yeah, it's a lot different. Even even in this game, like, without him, it's a, it's a... A lot different score if if Seneca is not under center for the Montreal Carabin. And uh, the wind definitely played a factor in the field goals. Um, there was a lot <laughs> of, uh, I think there was two rouges, uh, another missed field goal that someone got out, uh, safety. So it had everything. It had defense, it had special teams, it had offense. It even had... CFP coverage. Wade was down there on the sideline. His shots were absolutely incredible. Go back, check those out on our Instagram and Twitter pages. Marsh was on the call as well. So if you want to check out Marshall Ferguson on that call in that great UTEC game, uh, you can go back and watch that one. It was on CBC. The live stream was free on CBC, so you can check that out. Would highly recommend it. Marsh's call at the end of the game, great. Wade's photos from the game, Great. And he will, I believe you're going to be there at the Vanier too next week. Uh, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try. Try his hardest. So um, I unfortunately will have to be live tweeting from Dungeon again, but I will be doing it. You um, can live tweet for me. <laughs> yeah, I'll live tweet for you. Hands then can just wear mittens the whole time. <laughs> and not have to like get your fingers out and brave the cold. Cause you're going back to, you're going back to the province of Quebec, just this time to the city instead of Montreal. But uh, speaking of Montreal, Let's, uh, I guess this is a good okay, time to quickly, move into quickly the, move to the CFL here. CFL okay. games, yeah. Quickly, quickly. Uh, the Hamilton Tiger I'm Cats. Happy. I'm happy rolled. to be wrong. I'm happy yeah. to be wrong. You uh, had me I questioning myself, and I was like, really? You're going to take Montreal over the Tiger Cats? I was like fully on board with the Tiger Cats, and have, you swung I just, me. I'm, I just I'm never trust them against Trevor Harris in the playoffs, okay? I I've guess. seen it. But uh, that, that defense looked good. Holy Wow. How's there? Uh, Dylan Wynn, Simone. Wow. Tunde Adelike had a day. Yeah, Tunde had the big breakup at the end of the game, too. I was like, he played half for most of the game, too. That's yeah, the wow. They rolled, they rolled down and played halfback a lot. So, I mean, just like not an unnatural position for him, though. No, it's not an unnatural position. Like, he's a fantastic cover guy in space. So, putting him at half, like, I, he has the just speed fine. to cover anyone. Um, yeah, but, oh, like, yeah. the ability to just shift to that and still have a great impact on the game like that's <laughs> that's wild uh stavros katsantonis had a had a couple big breakups as well yeah um, he was at the on the back end 
So uh, I thought Hamilton played great football, but, uh, you know, on the West Coast, Connor, uh, I guess in the Prairies, but in the Western Conference. Say, where we, we had great defense in one game. We had I mean, pitiful offense. In another five interceptions in the first half of the game? Are you kidding me? What, like, five like Moxie, Moxie had three, three. Gamey had two. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, so Fajardo, Fajardo threw all three of his interceptions or all three of his first half interceptions to Moxie. Bo but Levi somehow. turns around and throws both of his first half interceptions to Ed Gainey. You're uh, supposed to be throwing to the guys in your own colors. Timeout, timeout. Uh, I want to talk about this one. Trey Roberson, the NFL guy that came back for Calgary, got pumped out of his socks by Body. Cody Fajardo. Body. Like, Fajardo was like three, four yards past the line of scrimmage. Gave a full pump fake, and I'm talking Trey Roberson jumped like he was trying to yeah catch catch like a, a in high Trey point. Roberson's mind, he was going the other way for the ball that wasn't that didn't come out of Cody Fajardo's hands. Like, so Cody Fajardo quickly like said, ah, no, but he was yeah. past the line. He yeah. was well past the line. Yeah, and like I know it's tough as a defender. Like sometimes you lose your bearings. But like, okay, you, okay, but how many times you know, do you? you know, how many times? scrimmages not like even not, that but like, how many times have you heard defensive coaches especially like don't leave your more feet. Of, yeah how many times have you heard don't jump no like it's don't leave your feet but at the same time like you i know it like higher stakes might have been energy flying a little bit but he's a seasoned veteran like yes you don't lose track of where the line of scrimmage is like i bet you didn't lose track of where the first down marker was you know down in distance yeah like uh, to me, I was like, oh, that is not a good – I sent it to all my friends. Like, even the guys that weren't watching the CFL, I sent it to them. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, my, take a look at this. And they're like, oh, shit, he got pumped out of his socks. I'm like, yeah, he kind of did. Um, did. did. <laughs> but, uh, no, it came down to the miss from Rene Paredes, which I – Shocking. He is, he is the Shocking. money man for them. Like, I felt so bad for him. He was – he had a great game. Uh, great season wise yeah great season period like how many walk-offs did we see from him but yeah I was, it I was yeah that was i was right you were hey hey you were the offense did not turn it around at all but uh you know i looked KSB, like i was going to be right ksb with the touchdown uh yeah also had a couple drops one of them in the end zone but uh big shout out to him for his playoff That's performance He's learning. He's learning. He has. He's had two of those now this year where he's dropped two bad ones in the end zone. But I mean, hey, the production is everything else that he did this season or has done this season that that kind of gives us some uh, some cause to be very excited about him long term. But uh, I'll, I'll take those two drops in a rookie year. How about the onside kick though? To like that to ballsy. come in, that was like such that. a good call. Love it. I did not expect it, <laughs> no. but the ability to go out and execute it as well. Yeah. Um, that was that was. I, I don't eight. Whoever whoever recovered it, number eight got up. Yeah, I know he was up for that ball. Almost looked like he was playing rugby, where you get in the lift. <laughs> yeah, the old uh, <laughs> the lock lift in rugby, yeah. or whatever. Someone could have been doing it for him. We don't know, <laughs> but uh, <clears throat> what a what a good game. And like four four really good games <clears throat> across country. Well, three. Two and a half. Two and a half good games Montreal across got the body. country. <laughs> but uh, the 
ability to have like that kind of playoff football in the country is just so nice after what we went through with COVID, not having anything. So very now, thankful, but we are not done. We have imagine pairing it all with the venue. Imagine, imagine pairing, having the venue. It all the imagine, same, imagine pairing same venue in the Great Cup. Wow. Let's go back to 2007. No, it was like <laughs> 2011. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think they but, paired, uh, that was that was one of the years where it was in. Yeah, it was together. Marshall's yeah. Marshall's year, but they played in BC Place. Um, but no, what a what a great time in Canadian football. Certainly thankful to be back and be able to be a part of it. Um, but we will break down the rest on Thursday. It's Vanier Cup time, Connor. The big shebang. I think you had this Vanier Cup actually picked uh, at our midseason correction point. So kudos to Connor. Wow. That is a that is a you did it. Um, wow. I think you actually had all national semifinals picked as well. So uh, kudos to you. Wow. Wow. Look at that. Who thought we'd be here? Not me. Not Jim Harbaugh. Not me. And, Not and a Michigan win. Golly. You're on cloud nine. Oh, I've been on cloud nine since <clears> Saturday <throat> afternoon. We can't play Mr. Brightside for you, even though Connor would love to do it. Oh, that was uh, electric. Electric. But if you want to get geared up for game day, head over to fox40shop.com. Enter the code CFP15 for 15% off your whistle needs. The worldwide leader in whistle tech, Fox 40. And stock that fridge. Get ready for the Vanier. Get ready for the Grey Cup with Sada City Beer. Offering brewery fresh beer delivered directly to your door. Visit their website at sawdustcitybeer.com to shop their wide variety of brews and to learn more. This November, CFL fans, CFP listeners are getting an exclusive promo code. Use Go Blue. I mean, use CFL at checkout for free shipping on your first order over $100. Offer is available to Ontario residents only. Must be of legal drinking age. That kills it for today's Tuesday episode. We're going to be back with a Thursday episode as well as another OUA show because as long as Western is still playing, we are going to keep talking. So get ready for that. Be on the lookout and we'll catch you guys on Thursday. For Connor and I, you guys know where to find us at Connor R. O'Neill, at Wade Zank, at CF Perspective, at what is it, you Michigan football. Uh, just throw that one in there for Connor so you can go and celebrate. If you, yeah, if you want to physically find me, I'll be in Ann Arbor. Don't tell his boss. <laughs>